it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and we got a great show in store uh, during our three-hour tour today coming up in the third half. We're going to talk, uh, we're actually going to uh, enter the mind of spunky and precocious six-year-old Lily Nilly from a, devi- a delightful new children's book called Pardon My French. It's the language of ballet, the adventures of Lily Nilly. Uh, from author, illustrator, and former New York City-based dancer and choreographer Nancy Paris. This is the first in a series, and Nancy joins me by phone during the third half of our three-hour tour. In the middle, the second hour, we're going to talk about advances in treatment options for prostate conditions with a urologist from Northwestern Memorial Hospital and professor of urology at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine, Dr. Amy Krambeck. She'll be uh, joining me a little later. But we start out with uh, a little poetry this morning to get your weekend started early. And uh, joining joining me by phone is the uh, author of a book called Shift, by other poet or um, other otherwise known as uh, Jacob Hunt, who joins me by phone. Hi, Jacob. Welcome to the show. Hello, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. Now, do you prefer that I call you other poet since you publish under that name? Oh, no. You can call me Jacob. Um, part of the whole thing with other poet is that, you know, my mom didn't name me Elvis. So I needed, you know, something a little bit more fun. <laughs> I got it. Um, but let me uh, let me um, ask you this: um, There's several things about this book that make it very interesting. It is your first book of poetry, but yeah. I get the impression that you've been writing for a long time, and. There's something about this book, unlike other what we would call collections of poetry, this mm-hmm. is set up like like epic poems from yep. ancient Greece and and uh, I, it each page has a poem that's untitled and it rolls over into the next one. And I guess I, I guess the thing I want to ask, and I'm fumbling to figure out exactly how is did you write all of these poems in sequence as part of this story you tell in shift or is it a collection that just happened to tell the story 
Mm. This is definitely that's a great question. You didn't fumble that at all. That was that was great. <laughs> it is it is difficult. It's a unique um, it's a unique book book of poetry, um, and to answer, it is written in sequence. Um, it is telling one um, singular underlying narrative, um, but there are a lot of you know in one story. There's going to be a lot of stories within that, and so. There are several characters and several um, offshoots, you could say, of the, the primary story. But I did write this to be one singular narrative, like you said, like, a, like more of an epic. Um, and the, the titles um, have always been something that's really important to me because I really want every person to approach this book and these poems and find their own meaning in it. I, I don't want to give it a title and ascribe a meaning for something when 10 people could read the poem and walk away with 10 different conclusions. Well, and, and that's where I get a little confused in how to refer to the book and parts of the book. Each page is a separate poem, but it's part of telling the story. Is each page a separate poem? Or um, and 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 do they stand alone? Can they stand yes. alone? Let me ask it that way. Yes. So um, originally, the poems didn't have page numbers either. And um, <laughs> I, you know, since it, my mom is a writer as well. Um, Don't drop the galley. <laughs> yeah, she helped me um, edit this um as well and when i sent it to her for the first round of edits that we worked on she was like i don't know how to talk about these because we would be like the one that's supposed to be it's like page 15 or something so it got very confusing so i did you know do the page numbers um if we wanted to talk about specific poems that's what i would say i would say hey let's read page 61 um they all do stand alone but I really like the word you used earlier, that they do roll together as well. Um, so there's not... Yeah, they're one sequential. Does, yes. One poem doesn't, like one page doesn't combine with another page necessarily to be like one poem, because then it would just get too confusing, and I would have to change the format of that in some way. But for this one, each one, um, each poem is on its own page. It stands on its own, but they are all very connected. Are they written in, I, I, I'm sure they're all written in the same voice, but do they use the same format? Yeah, so each poem breathes very differently um the voice and the perspective are the same um it's it's telling so shift tells the story of a person being broken and then taking those first steps in the healing process i wouldn't even say taking strong steps in the healing process I wouldn't say that this character is doing well for themselves, but I would say that 
they've been absolutely devastated and then now are like taking maybe that like first step like um i think about you know times when my mental health has been bad and it's that first foot hitting the floor getting out of bed um it's the first step out the door to go on a walk after you know being stuck in the apartment for a few days um so it's telling that story and the the way that that happens changes a few times and each poem the spacing is very unique and so that lends a hand to it as well but yeah every poem kind of is that same kind of voice and perspective and with this uh with this book and and I'm I'm fascinated ab- about this because it is different than other as as I call them collections of uh, poetry, and this is not a collection. This is, um, in many ways, a a single poem that just happens to be book length. <laughs> yeah, um, but it, but it is in bite-sized pieces. We'll say, um, you don't have to sit down and watch it and and read it cover to cover. You can you know, read several pages and, and set it down and come back to it later and pick up where yeah. you left off, the way you could in most stories. Um, mm-hmm. How much of this is memoir and how much of it is observation? Oh, that is a great question. Um, a lot of this, I would say, like a lot of writers, my personal experiences, especially with this being um, my first book, is very, um, very personal. And it's very, um, it's, it is that, you know, a memoir of sorts. Um, but it's also, I, I would, I hope at least that it's a combination of a memoir and observation because the goal so I initially I edited this book over a span of four years I wrote it in about three months and edited it for about four years and it became very important to me that the poems stop being for me and about me and became for others and about others in their journey. You know, we're used to um, longer uh, works of poetry uh, being in a particular rhythm and or rhyming scheme. I, I'm thinking of mm-hmm. like Shakespeare and and uh, yeah. maybe Homer and you know some some other classic uh, uh, poetry literature. Um, does this have that element to it? Is there a formula that you used when you sat down and started writing all of these uh, segments that became this book? I don't have a formula per se. Um, it's not like A-A-B-B-A-A-C-C. It's, it's not, you know, a typical poem that you write in school or you learn to write in school. What I would say is that there is a definite rhythm to every poem. I'm very inspired 
by music. I'm very, um, I mean, all genres of music I'll be listening to while I write. And there is rhyming um, at times, but when, when you opened the show, one of your taglines is, um, it's for a new generation. What's the thing you say before a new generation? Old-fashioned radio a, for a new generation. Yes, that immediately struck me, Tom. Because I was like, I think that's what I'm doing here. I'm using an old form of entertainment and writing for a new generation. And I think every generation of poets has looked at the past generation and said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want to do. So my formula is really to allow every single poem to have its own life and its own rhythm. And if it rhymes, which, you know, I love rhyming or has some alliteration or some other literary devices, I love it because um, I'm an English nerd. So I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> but if it doesn't rhyme, I think it's just as alive in its own way. Yeah, I think uh, that's one of the requirements for being a poet is that you have to be an English nerd. Most of the people I know <laughs> that, that write poetry are, in fact, English nerds. Um, let, me, uh, let me ask you this. Um, you mentioned rhythm, and, and I was going to ask you about cadence and if the cadence you know, was consistent from one page to the next. Um, not not like iambic pentameter, but is there mm -hmm. a certain cadence that you adhere to? And it sounds like what you're saying is that each individual piece has its own cadence while mm -hmm. it might have the same voice as the preceding page. Yes, that's exactly right. So every poem, the spacing is a major player on the page. The space is almost just as important as the words themselves. I think the space tells a story along with the words. So the cadence is very tied at times to the space and how I'm saying it in my head. My hope, though, is that you and I would read every poem maybe with a little bit of a different cadence. And uh, that when you read it, it sounds, you know, you pick up a rhythm, and then when I read it, I pick up a different rhythm. Maybe they're similar because, you know, unfortunately, I mean, if I could do this, I would. But if I could, the spacing doesn't change from person to person reading it. Um. <laughs> but I, I do think that it would be, um, I, I think that we would have different experiences with it. So every single one has its, its own cadence, its own rhythm. Um, and like when you flip through the book and you're flipping like really, really fast through the book, it almost looks like a flip book, like with all the <laughs> movement and all the, the craziness. Jacob, I have to put a comma here because I need to take a short break. Can you stick around? I want to talk about this a little more. Yes, sir. All right. Um, the book is Shift by Other Poets. We'll be there, right everybody. back. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Hi, I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. Our community and communities across the country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about a new and uh, and somewhat unique book of poetry called Shift by Other Poet, a.k.a. Jacob Hunt, who joins me by phone. Um, Jacob, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No, thank you for having me. I, I've loved being here. This has been great conversation. So sitting through a few commercials isn't isn't a problem at all. Well, let me uh, let's let's get back to our conversation. Now, in the last segment, we were mostly talking about the unique way that this uh, that you approach this book. It's sequential poetry that tells. I don't want to say a single story, but at least there's an overarching story that all mm-hmm. of the, the segments, uh, which are page by page, um, contribute to. This is your first book of poetry, but I suspect it's not the first time you've uh, written and been published. What have you done before this, uh, this particular project? So I started writing poetry when I was 13. Um, I started writing because my family was going through some really difficult circumstances. Um, my mom saw me struggling, and I mentioned earlier that she is a writer as well. And she got me a notebook and a, a pen, and she said, I, I think it would help if you wrote about the way that you feel. So um, I started writing some really um, bad poetry and started (laughs) writing stories and that were also, you know, not very good. Um, But that's where everybody starts and just kept writing. And my freshman year of high school, I had an English teacher named Mr. Weaver um, and he read, we had to write an original Greek myth. And really? he read mine, and he pulled me aside and was like, this is amazing. He mentioned it in my parent-teacher conference, and then he had me read it to the class. And that's really when I started thinking, wow, I could write. Like, I, this is something that I want to pursue, like, actually doing. So more recently, um, you know, I have been writing short stories and poetry and and other stories for quite some time now. And I've been published here and there in um, some literary magazines and some articles and um, some small publications. But this is truly, um, in a sense, my debut. This book is the first thing, it's the first thing other poet has done. Um, I've created this almost like a band name of other poet. Um, to go by, and this is kind of my first real push into pursuing this. And because it's your first, did you intentionally want to do something very different, or is it a little risky to try and do something that's that's different than the the genres that exist? Yeah, well, I think... I think it is. I mean, it is very risky. Um, I don't know if it'll end up working. I don't know if it'll resonate the same way for other people. That's my hope um, that it resonates even more so for other people. 
But I think it was really important to me to be true to myself. And this is different and this is risky and it's unique. And I think that, you know, I'm in that same boat of being a little bit different and (laughs) risking this and doing poetry in a completely new way. Um, because I, I think that it's really important to look at the rules of poetry and break them and try to do something fresh and try to, um, innovate. I think the best generations of art that we've ever had have been writers and filmmakers and fashion designers and artists saying, no, I'm not going to do the same thing everybody else is doing. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to express myself and do it in a really genuine and authentic way so that it resonates with others. Well, it's an interesting idea, and, I, and I'm, uh, you know, wrestling with this notion of if, if, if you might stand out by standing alone. Mm. Yeah, I think that this book um, definitely does stand alone at the moment. When did or um, does it drop? It, it already it dropped on December 13th. Okay, all right, so it's been out for a few weeks. Have you had a chance to interact with, with readers of the book? Have you gotten any feedback? What kind of feedback are you getting? Yeah, I've gotten some really um, positive feedback. So early on, you know, they say when you're just starting out, um, there, the three F's will support your work, the friends, the family, and the fools is what they say. <laughs> and so lots of friends and family have been, um, buying it and reading it. And I've gotten really positive feedback. My favorite feedback and my goal is that people who don't really like poetry see this and they're like, Oh, this is kind of cool. I kind of like this. So my favorite feedback has been when people who have not been fans of poetry or they've said, I've never owned a book of poetry, but I brought yours to support you and I really like it. Um, I, I think that's my favorite because I really want to bring this this form of art kind of back to the forefront. Now that it's, that it's out, and, and writing is such a solitary thing, Jacob, that... I always ask writers if they enjoy getting out and and doing readings and book signings and those kinds of things and interacting with people. Um, Do you like that part of it, or do you prefer to be a little more solitary? I absolutely love talking about this book um, and just writing in general with other people. I'm really excited to be doing interviews like this. And um, I'm hoping, you know, to be able to interact more and more with other people um, moving forward. I've been conscious of the state of the world um, with some of this, but um, it's a unique landscape to kind of put out a book um, or put out a piece of art and then try to give fans because I, I haven't had the same access lately to meeting people in person. But I, I do love talking about it now that it's out. I think before it was out, I was really tired 
of editing it and writing <laughs> it because it had been, you know, four years of editing. And I was like, man, I'm so ready to come out of my room, stop editing this book, edit the next book, um, and move on with this and get, get it to the world. And so, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to people about it. I think um, it gives a place for people to feel seen. And when that happens, it's just really beautiful. Are you in a place where you can write full-time, or do you have to, uh, like the rest of us, worry about making a living and practice your art in your spare time? I, I definitely have to worry about making a living. <laughs> um, I, that is, uh, you know, kind of a constant uh, tapping on the window of, hey, are we making enough money this month? Are we going to make it? Um I spend too much money sometimes on candles um, as like a retail therapy. Yesterday I bought six candles um, and uh, my, my bank account didn't appreciate that. But yeah, I'm, I would say I'm always writing. Um, I work in marketing and so I get the opportunity to do some copywriting and do some editing um, on that. But I always, you know, I'll have an idea pop into my head and I'll write it in my notebooks and I, I try to keep separate notebooks for like writing and journaling and, and work. But then sometimes, you know, my work notebooks, I'll have whole pages of poems and it's like, well, I didn't get much done today. Did I? Well, a songwriting uh, friend of mine um, down in Nashville does something very similar. He keeps uh, notebooks and he'll jot down uh, chord changes or ideas for lyrics mm -hmm. and things and he calls it his boneyard yeah i love that that's a great <laughs> i'm gonna steal that it, 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 you're welcome to it i'm sure um but he uh and and what he does and and i wonder if if you do this as well or if you will be doing this as you move forward looking back at some of those little notes and bits and pieces and using them as uh fodder and or inspiration for future projects yeah so um i will just i have never you know said this um in an interview but this book is a part of a trilogy um and the pieces of these poems are connected to the next book um i just finished another round of edits um a year ago almost like Last January, um, I was editing the second book, and I hated it. I hated the direction I went with it. I didn't want to keep it, and I deleted the whole thing except for five pages. <laughs> and over the last year, I've rewritten it. Um, it is going to be longer than Shift, um, which, you know, buckle up, because Shift is already, for a book of poetry, a little bit long. Um but yeah, I well, think how many pages? All of the shift itself is about seventy poems. Okay. Um, and then I have, you know, this was my first book, so I made sure that I thanked everyone in my family, um, everybody. I'm sorry, shift is actually ninety pages. Okay. Um, ninety poems. So, um, yeah, I I think as it is, shift is a little bit. Um, 
found itself in a sweet spot of lots of collections of poetry today are very, very short in terms of the poem itself. And then, um, you know, they have pictures and images and they kind of spread them out. But Shift is pretty unique in the way that it's presented. And so it is a little bit longer poetry-wise. Um, and the next one is going to be um, even longer than that. And, and will you do, um, you know, is it going to be shift point one and shift point two or what will you do about titling the books and i would think that titling a book like this is kind of tough yes uh i wrestle with the titles a lot i do have the title of the second one um they're not going to be shift point one each one (laughs) has its own kind of representative title um and stands you know the goal i think a good you know Let's talk about a a good series. I think every movie or book in that series or, you know, piece of art in a series, when it's alone, can still stand on its own. And that's very important to me, too. Shift's story does come to a place of conclusion. There are still threads that I can pull for the second book and have them be included but it is very important that the second book stands on its own and is very, you know, where shift is kind of the starting point. The next one is going to pick up and run with it. And and do you expect it to, to be the same sort of way, a, a long or epic uh, poem that, that runs the entire length of the book? Yes. Yes, I do. I think um, that form of poetry storytelling and story, storytelling through these, these books of poetry, I think any book of poetry that I put together will always have a congruent kind of underlying overarching story. Um, I think it's just part of what makes my brand of storytelling unique um, and of course, you know, we'll see how that develops. I hope in 10 years, I'm in a place where I can look at everything I've published and say, wow, that was really unique. That was really different. That kind of built on this foundation that shift has set this kind of precedence for, okay, this is how it's, you know, loosely going to work. And I hope that, you know, as I work to grow my audience and, and, get people to to read this and listen to this that um they'll give the space for me to kind of continue to innovate and try to do new things you know that's um you mentioned a little earlier jacob that you've written other poetry and and some short stories do you ever imagine and and i i guess can you work on more than one thing at a time and um do you ever see yourself uh, publishing a collection of uh, other poets' short stories or uh, uh, other poets' first novel? Yeah, I um, am notorious for working on multiple things at once. Um, for example, I'm, I'm, I, you know, every day I'll add a poem to the second book, 
for um, in this trilogy. But then the other day, I also opened up the third book because uh, I have a loose idea of what it's going to be. And so sometimes I'll have an idea and I'll, I'll be like, oh, that fits really well with the third one. So I have to put it there. And then I have a few different floating short stories. I have another project I'm working on as well that's more of a personal project. But yeah, I, I, definitely, I have a little bit too much. Um, it almost <laughs> looks like in those um, detective shows when they cover a wall with all these pictures and papers and strings connecting everything. Right. That's my mind. Um, <laughs> that's what's constantly going on in my mind. And so, yeah, there's, there's always different things happening and different ideas. Um, and I would love to publish a collection of sh short stories. I have a few that I, you know, really enjoyed writing and I enjoy going back to those. So I could see, exploring that and then a novel would be great too but i i don't see that as you know a progression of okay i'm gonna start out as a poet and then become a novelist i think at my core i'll always be this storyteller and i don't see these books of poetry as stepping stones to oh i'll get a publishing deal for a novel I see these as, you know, it's all about the stories and and whichever way I decide to tell it, that's I'm going to dive into that and be all in with it. So telling these stories, you know, um, these could almost be novels. If, if I, you know, formatted them in a way that was more paragraph style, um, they, they do flow like a novel. Well, let me let me ask you this because there's there's an element to this book shift, and I I don't think this is a spoiler alert by any means, but the last page simply says you are loved, and it's mm. almost as if your story was leading up to making that point, and you could almost consider it a moral to the story. Mm. And what Tom, I'm, you're the first person. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I, what I was going to ask is if book two and book three will also have morals to the story. You're the first person to ask about that last page. I, I really love, thank you for that. Um, well, I think people are so attuned to... Um, spoiler alerts and not giving the, the <laughs> end away that that they, yeah. that they would and I was a little pensive about asking about it but but yet it's kind of the it it's almost as if your book has a moral to the story and it made me wonder if you will do something similar in the other two books the answer is yes uh, the quick answer is yes and but it, it could, you know, I haven't fully finished that yet. Um, so this, you know, could change in a way. But it could also be You Are Loved Again. Because, no, I, we, our world is so full of hurting people who just need something to get through the day. They need to feel some sort of positivity and love. And no matter what story I tell, I will always be so 
careful and cognizant of the fact that there are so many lonely people out there who just need to hear that they're loved. And throughout my journey, personally, I felt very alone at times. And my mental health journey has definitely influenced shift in this trilogy. And it's very important that no matter what story I tell, people hear that they're loved. I think it's, it's a beautiful end note for everything. And, and the last poem is very intentional as well about saying, like, you're not alone in a way. But I think, you know, with all the narrative and all of the, the pieces to explore of shift, this is, I'm, I'm really building a world um, through these books for people to explore. It's, it's like a concept album. It's like, you know, the world of Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, where there's this different world that we're stepping into. And as you step out of that world, as you step out of my world, I want you to know that you're loved. My uh, guest is Jacob Hunt, um, otherwise known as uh, Other Poet, the author of a book of poetry called Shift. And Jacob, we're running out of time, and I'm having so much fun talking with you, I can't believe how fast it's gone. But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? I do. It's www.otherpoet.com. It's other poet, um, O-T-H-E-R-P-O-E-T.com. Sorry, I forgot how to spell other poet. <laughs> um, it's otherpoet.com. My book is actually, um, because the way that it's formatted, um, being an, it's a full 8 by 11 book. There's beautiful illustrations included. It's a full page of poetry. So if you try to go to Amazon and buy it, it's there, but it's way more expensive because Amazon wants to charge an arm and a leg to print it. So if you go to my website, it is a lot cheaper, and there's opportunities to connect with me, um, and I would absolutely love to hear from people who buy the book. Um, so yeah, otherpoet.com, and I'm also I'm on Instagram, um, as other poets, so please, you know, explore those and feel free to always reach out. It would just have about 60 seconds left, but I thought maybe you might like to mention the illustrator. Yes, the illustrator is Jericho Delea. He is absolutely amazing. He brought these poems to life in a way that blew me away, so I would encourage listeners to, to check it out. Well, Jacob Hunt, um, known as Other Poet, the book is Shift. And, uh, Jacob, thanks for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Tom. It was a pleasure, an honor, and I would love to talk again. Okay, well, we'll let's, let's plan on that. And, and tell Jericho I love the cover. I will. I'll <laughs> let him know. All right. Take care. Bye. And uh, again, that was uh, Jacob Hunt, known as Other Poet, and the book is Shift, a very interesting 
uh, book of poetry. We're going to take a uh, short break, but we've got lots more of the Tom Sumner program straight Hi, ahead. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. And if you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Flip Flip Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. 
Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. The play that I want to tell you about is that Romeo and Juliet. Now, there is a real thing. It's... It's a story about how this boy and girl was in love of one another, don't you see? It is. And everything would have been all right for them except that their daddies didn't get along. They didn't. And when the play opens, Juliet's daddy is throwing this big fancy dress ball and he invited the whole town to be there, but he didn't invite none of Romeo's people to come. And his buddies learnt of it. And they put him up to slipping on a costume and slipping in at this party. And he was a spunky kind of a boy, and he done it. I think. He done it, and he got in there, and everything was going good. Till all of a sudden, this girl, Juliet, come down the stairs. And he was so struck by her that he give a soliloquy right there. He did. And it wasn't about being or not being. It was about doing or not doing. Well, the do's, they won out over the don'ts. And so what he done, he got her by the hand and started to take her out in the yard. And we'll never know what it was that there's going to do out there. We won't because this fella Tybalt recognized Romeo for who he was and come up on him a trying to pick a fight. But uh, Juliet's daddy, he didn't want no bloodshed right there in his living room. He didn't. So all he done, he run Romeo off. But uh, Romeo didn't go straight home. No, he didn't. He went out and hid in the yard till everybody left the party. And then when they had all went, he popped up and looked around. And he seen this light come on away off yonder. And he says to himself, he says, hark. He says, what light by yonder window shines? <laughs> he did. And... And let me tell you, Juliet step, stepped out of her bedroom window onto this stoop. And uh, she give a soliloquy. She did, friends, and somewhere in it, somewhere in it, she says, Romeo, Romeo. She says, wherefore art thou, Romeo? And he popped up and says, I'm right here. I thank you. Well, as it happened, there was this great big pea vine growing up to where she is a standing. <laughs> and so he clumb up it. He clumb up it, 
And that is where they had that balcony scene. And he, they hadn't been there but just a few minutes till he asked her to marry. And that shows that he was an honorable boy about it all. <laughs> well, she says when. And he's... Well, he says now, and that shows that he wasn't up there for no light courting. He wanted to get on with it. <laughs> Back then, the reason everybody lived in castles was that there was so many of them to put up at nights. Well, there was so many of them there that they had to keep a preacher on duty day and night. <laughs> Fella Friar Lawrence was his name. And so Romeo and Juliet, they went downstairs and woke him up and told him what it was that they wanted to do, and he thought that was all right. So he married them right there. But then, don't you see, it was a question of where they was to spend the night, things being how they, how they was and all. And uh, Friar Lawrence told Romeo that he ought to go on home that night. And uh, Romeo, he didn't take to it too hot. <laughs> He didn't. He didn't, but he did. He went on home that night, and, and then Romeo thought that he'd better go off and lay low till things cooled off. And while he is gone, friends, Juliet's mama took a great notion that Juliet ought to get married. And then she was in a bind. She was. Because she didn't want two husbands because she figured that Romeo would be enough to take care of by self. And so she went back down to Friar Lawrence to see what she ought to do. And he mixed her up a drink, and she drunk it, and she fell out across the bed there, and everybody thought she is dead. And they had this big, pretty funeral and laid her out in this family tomb and all. And before that Friar Lawrence could get word to Romeo that she wasn't really dead, some of them mean boys that lived in that town told him that she was dead. And he figured life didn't hold nothing for him. So he went out and got him this big can of light to drink. So he went over to this tomb where it was she was laid out, and he opened the door of it, and he says, Oh, my love, oh, my wife. He did. And he went in, and he drunk the lie and kissed her and says, With this kiss, I die. And he fell out across to that. And uh, he was a big boy for his age. <laughs> he was. And the impact of him, a falling on her, woke her up. And she woke up, didn't know what was going on, and she looked there and seen Romeo a-laying dead. And then she figured life didn't hold nothing for her. And then she took his knife and run it into herself, and she expired. <laughs> she did, friends. And the moral of it is, if you've got a boy that courts a girl that you don't like, or the other way around, if you don't want the expense of a double funeral on you, the best thing for you to do is to let them have a cheap wedding. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. And the nighttime 
We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>